everybody. Welcome to Two Guys Five Movies. This one, your co-host Chris Gasper. This is Frank Pelicone. You're listening to episode 103 of the Spin Chagrin, and last week's category was "It Feels Really Crass." Mm. So, Frank, um, I'm excited to hear um, what feels really crass uh, this week. So, let's talk about the process a little bit first. <laughs> okay. And we we've, we've talked about this before, but it's especially important when discussing this movie. So we do the spin before we get into whatever the secondary topic is on the spin chagrin. And I usually spend that time kind of like perusing through Tubi or Prime and finding a couple movies and putting them on my watch list. Mm-hmm. Just so I have them saved for later in the week. Um typically, you know, I watch more than one movie. Like I'll watch one and I'll be like, well, maybe I can improve upon or we could have more to discuss if I watch another one. Sure. So I put this movie on my list because the description felt like it would be really crass. And uh-huh. then I watched this movie and it was the first one I watched. And after I finished watching it, I realized I'm not going to watch something more crass than this movie. Like I just, and not even more crass, but so like, so it's like a hole in one for the screen, but now in its crassness, it's, it's like, it's the ultimate combination of just like utter dreck with just some of the most horrific stereotypes and crude jokes, but it doesn't even go all the way. I, I don't know. It's... <laughs> I'm so excited. What? So tonight we're going to talk about 2011's National Lampoon's Snatched. Um stars andrew mccarthy jonathan silverman um ernest borgnine uh kate vernon um i have not in 2011 that is fantastic yeah ernest borgnine playing the father of um the main character uh who's played Mm. by mccarthy uh frank balm is his name um so the movie opens with jonathan silverman Grilling burgers, um, talking about how, you know, grilling burgers is like the greatest thing and that there's four things that every man loves and it's um, beer, burgers, babes, and his buddies. Mm-hmm. I was going to say buds, gonna, but yeah. Buddies is how he says it. Gotcha. Um, he's going to tell, or best buddies, I think maybe is even what he says. Mm. Um, he's going to tell the story about something that happened to his best friend, Frank, um, and the tale. So let me ask you a question. And if you look this up on Tubi, like you'll see the description and it tells you the answer. It's called Snatched. What do you think it's about? A kidnapping. Oh man. If only. Um, well, like five, like five idiots, like try to like, you know, I don't know, like correct a guy's like divorce or something by stealing something that's what i imagine something like this might be i mean you've um you've written a better movie already (laughs) so okay we could just stop there (laughs) never discuss it again um so snatched is the tale of frank Baum, who is a um newscaster sportscaster for a local tv station um He's like the ultimate good guy, sort of, is how he's portrayed, even though he's divorcing. Him and his wife are getting divorced. Yeah, I knew there was a divorce. Um, 
you find out they're getting divorced because he's kind of like in a state of arrested adolescence, like in the sense that he just wants to like play charity softball and drink beer with his best friend. His best buddies, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, his best buddy is um Silverman plus a couple of old men, but we'll we'll get to that. Um so to so they have this charity softball thing that he does every year and basically what they do is they challenge like another local softball team and if they win they donate 5000 the there's a purse of like $5000 and if they lose the purse goes to the other team and if they win the purse goes to um the New Orleans uh children's something or other I don't know it's like some children's charity okay so again like here's a guy that he's devoted to charity um after the game um he's going to uh go into surgery and donate his kidney to his brother-in-law um because that's just how good of a guy he is because his brother-in-law has cancer and he wants to save his life so okay um they introduced some other people there's like a stuffed shirt like newscaster um like the attractive woman newscaster but they don't really get any kind of character development they're just there for a couple of scenes okay. so they're not important um there is a weather weatherman is a lady hold on i forgot her name i gotta look her up uh, oh yeah i forgot larry holmes is in this movie too oh who Larry Holmes, the boxer. Oh, the boxer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. All right. He plays a bar owner. He owns Larry Holmes's bar. I... Man, what is this woman's name? Anyway, there's um the woman that is the... Uh, oh, and Burt Sugar is in it, too. If mm. you know Burt Sugar. I do know Burt, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, her name is Jetta, and her real name is Jetta. Um, <laughs> she is a super stereotypical black woman um who argues with the cast like they ask her about like the heat and she's like you ain't gonna get me to talk about no heat i ain't gonna take no blame for this heat you gotta get some voodoo magic in you i don't know it's just it's yeah it's an awful like portrayal yeah um so anyway so they win the softball game um, Frank goes into surgery, wakes up. Then so okay. So there's the I I, I really I really got to try and remember all the crass things that happened because it's it's fucking chock full of them. Um. So one of one of the things with Frank is he, even though he's still married to his wife, he's actually dating um this wealthy uh kind of debutante esque woman named trini who's like the daughter of a millionaire okay um and she comes to his game and um she's coming to the softball game yeah she comes to the softball game to support him um she's like friendly with the with the white the ex the current wife the separated wife um but it builds up this idea that they have like this loving relationship her and frank because Frank's such a good guy. So anyway, so he goes into the hospital and when he gets there, um, right, right before he gets there, the nurse on duty um, is berating 
the Indian woman who's also a nurse on duty, like the intake nurse, and calling her, like speaking to her in Spanish, um, because she's like brown skinned, so she obviously has to be Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, and the woman like basically says, like, I don't speak Spanish, and she's like, Where are you from? And the woman's like, Pakistan, and so then I thought that the joke was going to be that the the because the nurse wants to go have a cigarette, like that's why. So she's leaving this woman. I I thought the joke was going to be that the nurse was just racist, right. but it's actually it's actually us that are racist because the nurse can't speak any English and talks in like the most like pigeoned um, pseudo Indian dialect, like broken English. It's awful. So oh, Frank Jesus comes up and checks in, and she can't understand what he's saying to her. So she hands him his intake paperwork and he fills it out. And then you cut to the next morning and he wakes up and he's like, there's people in the room and they're like, oh, you know, whatever you need. We'll, you hungry. We'll bring you some food. Um, you know, you made it through surgery. Okay. You're so brave. Like, it's so brave of you to do this surgery. Um, and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll well, just, just trying to help my, my, they're like, um, who, who did you do this for? And he says his brother-in-law's name. They're like, oh, I see. Well, he's going to be real happy. And he's like, yeah, because he's not dead. So then the doctor comes in that was the doctor that did, um, did his surgery. And the doctor's like asking like, oh, so um right rich right you did it for rich and he's like yeah and he's like yeah rich is gonna be real happy you did a real good job and he's like well i mean you took out my kidney i I hope you did a real good job or no he said yeah i hope you did so they go back and forth with like this like not really saying what happened Uh and he's like so how do you feel and he's like well my balls really hurt and the doctor's like oh i i don't think that's the case and he's like, yeah, I mean, really, like the whole groin area. And the doctor's like, well, yeah, I mean, that's that's to be expected. It's going to take a while to heal. And he's like, what do you like? Where's the incision? He's like, well, where do you think the incision is? It's like down in the groin. And he's like, well, that's funny. I thought you'd go in through the back. But, you know, so the doctor's like, what surgery do you think you had? And he's like, what surgery did I have? So the doctor pulls out a mirror and holds it up. And Frank reacts. And what has happened is. They have performed a sex reassignment surgery on Frank and removed his penis and testicles and replaced them with a vagina. Um, So that's why it's called Snatched. Because as they will repeat, I should have counted it and I didn't have the wherewithal or the energy to go back and watch this movie a second time. I swear to God, they say the word Snatch to refer to a vagina, to Frank's vagina specifically, at least like 50 or 60 times in this movie. As well as other words for a vagina, and they say vagina, vajayj, you know, many other times too, but mostly they just call it his snatch. Um, so Frank is, um, horrified, but like, still kind of like, eh, like nonplussed, like he's not like freaking out. <laughs> so he goes home and tells um the silverman character johnny i think is his name um and they like you know so his family tries to be supportive um there's this lawyer they show ads for whose slogan is i smell money and he's like an ambulance chaser 
So he goes to see him so he can threaten to because he wants to sue the hospital. Um, they they kick him out of his gym because people are uncomfortable because he can't go in the men's locker room or the women's locker room. So he threatens to sue them. Um, he goes to the so they fire the surgeon that performs the surgery. Um, for no specified reason, it's just a thing that happens. Um, so he goes to the head of the hospital and is like, Hey, I want to, I, I want you to reverse the surgery. And the guy's like, well, we want you to think about it a little bit and make sure it's the right decision. And he says, well, I didn't want it in the first place. Oh, and the guy that his, his brother-in-law got a kidney, but got a kidney from the guy that wanted the sex reassignment surgery who appears in one scene lifting up his, the blanket while he's in recovery and I guess like seeing his penis and like freaking out because um, he now doesn't have a kidney which you don't like not really how kidney donation works you know because it right. has to be like a match and stuff like that sure I guess in the world of snatch just one kidney is as good as another <laughs> okay um does it get you know, into how this doctor made this mistake or is it yeah, just because okay. the, the 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 foreign nurse that while employed in the hospital, cannot speak English or read English. Gotcha. Frank bombed okay. the wrong intake paperwork. Okay. Okay. And instead of anyone checking that, they just cut his dick and balls off. So. Okay. Okay. Um, it's the foreigner. I got you. Yeah. So, meanwhile, like they replaced him with this guy, um, Bernie, I think is his name, who's the, um, his is Phil and newscaster, and they show him, and like he's a big hit. On the news, but he's kind of like, uh, I mean, in 2011, so he's kind of like a, like a preppy jock kind of guy who, yeah. you know, he's all irreverent and whatever. Yeah. And this is the guy who played. Try, he played Little Carmine in The Sopranos. This guy trying trying to steal, um, steal Frank's job. So then Frank Trini comes over to Frank's house and she's like, "I miss you so much, baby. I didn't know I didn't call." And he's like, "Well, you know, I didn't know how you'd react." And she's like, "Oh, baby, I still love you. You know, you're still my stud." Um, so then they like start to have sex, and she goes down on him. And mind you, this is like three days after right, his sexual sure. Yeah, right. And he's like, "Oh, oh, oh!" But then she freaks out because she can't be a lesbian, and even if she was a lesbian, it'd be with somebody like who does she say? Kim Kardashian, maybe or no. It, it, she Ange, Angelina Jolie maybe is who she says hmm. like it'd have to be like like a hot woman like over glasses of wine but she can't do it so she gets dressed and she leaves them so hmm. even though they've set it out like this is like his like love interest she's just gone after this for the rest of the movie like you never see her again um after like making a lesbian sex joke mm-hmm. um and again, like really like trivializing like the idea of sex reassignment surgery and begin with. Sure. So let me tell you, Frank, you made that drink go down real fucking quick. Oh yeah, just <laughs> wait. Um so in order for him to get the sex reassignment undone, which again, right. they can't put his penis and like testicles back on him because they've been removed and it's been turned like his nether regions have been turned into a vagina. Right. They also make it seem like they chop the penis off, which is again like not what happens. So right. anyway. Right. Um so he has to join a support group 
for people that are considering sex reassignment surgery um, to make sure that they're really like truly committed to the idea of it. Um, so because, you know, again, like the head of the hospital doesn't think that he like knows what he's doing since he just got the other surgery so quick, even though it was obviously an accident mm-hmm. and they know it was an accident and, but that doesn't matter. So the sex reassignment support group is this hippie woman who's like the head of it. And then a little person woman named Michelle who goes by Mitchell, um, who looks, is just a woman. Like she's like, I don't know. There's nothing about her that says like, lives like a lives as a man or whatever you know mm-hmm. which is the idea that it's supposed to be people like who are going into the transition that are kind of like living their new lives right um so it's her it's this like bigger woman who's kind of like butch um and then a woman who i i don't know like i i never really got the i never really understood like what her deal was but it's just like an attractive woman. Um, and then Frank. So they have like this meeting where they're talking about it and um, talking about him, like getting a vagina and how he didn't want it. And, you know, they kind of like are sort of standoffish with him at first, but then they come to accept him. Um, so you find out that these people, even though, he classifies them as freaks and they classify themselves as freaks. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really just like good people who, you know, just want to live their lives the way that, um, whatever that makes them happy. And I'll, I'll say this for it. Like it's entirely wrongheaded in every single way, especially in the modern day in terms of like viewing trans people or whatever, but it never, necessarily it it really is like a movie about like accepting who you are kind of and like standing up to people that won't accept who you are and i'm i mean that's i'm damning that in with faint praise really because it's just fucking awful (laughs) um but whatever at least it does that one thing so frank goes and there's a um poker night that he has with his friends his buddies his buds his buddies um and during the poker game everyone talks about how basically like it's not such a bad thing to fuck a man with a vagina um because it's not really gay because they have a vagina and if a man had a vagina what man would you fuck because frank is not a pretty woman basically Mm -hmm. Frank, they, they also don't do the thing where like where he never like puts on a dress or like tries to dress right. like well, yeah it's basically just um you know Andrew McCarthy the whole time sure um so McCarthy's kind of freaked out about that um and then there's a scene later where Frank and Jimmy are at a bar together and Jimmy basically says that what they should do is Frank should let him Frank should let Jimmy take that vagina for a good test spin. Jesus Christ. Um, he's got this, he's got this brand new vagina and what the shit? why let it go to waste? Like, mm-hmm. you, know, you should let me, you should, and Frank's like, are you saying you want to fuck me? That's, in what, that's what you do when your friend gets a vagina. Right. 
Larry Larry Holmes like freaks out because they're having this conversation at the bar and basically kicks them out because they're being freaks. Um, you know they should have gotten Scott Steiner to play that role. Anyway, <laughs> um, so Frank meets with his dad, who's played by Ernest Borgnine, and his dad's like having a having a dick doesn't make you a man it just makes you male but like doing what you did to you know give your ex-wife's um brother like a kidney like that's what makes you a man and the fact that you do all this charity makes you a man Mm. whether you have you know a man's parts or not and so then frank plays basketball with a guy with um no legs who lost him in afghanistan Okay. Um, okay. to show like you don't have to have like everything that God gave you to still be who you are so even though they're saying snatch 700 times and like I mean really just just fucking awful like they're still trying to show some kind of heartwarming shit right it's not successful it's just very um, I don't know it's it's really difficult to watch but it's also super boring because they keep doing this stuff so i was expecting from national lampoon i thought there would be a lot of female nudity and i thought there would be like i expected the lesbian thing but i actually expected them to like kind of go through with it or whatever so there's also this subplot that the the ex-wife and him are still in love and people talk about this but she just can't live with him anymore, like in a state of like adult, you know, whatever adolescence. So, but there's the idea that they should still get back together, and they have a teenage son, and so they show, like, they don't even like the son isn't even like freaked out or whatever by his father. He's just like, you know, I understand it, and I still love you, Dad, and that's it. Like, that's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um. So anyway, so the ex-wife and Frank, they end up like falling in love again. And um, it's, you know, they're going to get back together. Well, right, because he's not a, <laughs> I guess I can see that, but uh, whatever. Um, I guess he's not an adolescent anymore, right? He doesn't, he's not in a state of rest well, yeah, because, because he's... now he's experienced life as a woman. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, um, honestly, but <laughs> still. So. They have to go, he has to read this, like, he has to write a, a thing for this um, pro-gender reassignment um, rally in the park. Okay. And that's, like, the way that he's going to help to prove that, like, he's ready to have his gender re-reassigned. Uh-huh. Um, so the, the rally in the park literally has, like, like, 12 people at it and one of them is johnny who's like there to root frank on so he reads this speech off a piece of paper and i can't even remember it but it doesn't even say anything other than like fuck it's like my vagina is a part of me but my vagina is not me i am many things and i have a vagina but the vagina does not define me it's like i don't know it's it's awful um and then like some some young toughs come and try and like 
make fun of them for being freaks, but everybody stands up for themselves, and then the young toughs just like walk away. Like that's okay. the end of that. Um. So finally, the doctor, like they go, the two, um, Mitchell and the other one, the softball players, they go to the doctor and they're like, "Hey." Um, you need to give our friend Frank his dick back because he didn't like ask for this. Like we're we're here because we've asked for it, but he's, um, you know, he just wants to go back to his family. And so the doctor, who's like not wanted to do this all the time, or been so reticent to like do this, like whatever, re reassignment, right? Like gives in and says okay. <laughs> um, but then. When Frank goes to the TV station, um, you know, Bernie doesn't want to give him his job back. So then Frank's like, I'll tell you what, we'll play softball for it. And you get your team together and I get my team together. And if I win, you leave. And if you win, I leave. What the fuck? Right. So... Frank has his like team of people, which includes Mitchell and the big lady and uh, Johnny, you know, and some other like whatever people. And Bernie comes and he's got um like a team of like professional ball players. It's like uh, that episode of The Simpsons where Mr. Burns gets right. like Roger Clemens and Daryl Strawberry and stuff. Right. So you're waiting for this like really tense thing where you know they're down by like five or six runs and it's like sure. They- their ninth inning and then they come back you know what i mean like just a typical yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. bullshit right. movie involving like a baseball game or whatever but no they just kind of beat them like handily um there's not even any tension to it it's just like they make uh mitchell like get hit by a pitch because she's short and she doesn't have a strike zone um and then like they knock in the winning run and that's the end of the game and then Bernie comes up to him and shakes his hand and says, well, I guess I'm gone. Um, <laughs> okay. Right. So, like, all the drama that was inherent to this this movie now doesn't exist and there's no drama. Um, and then he gets his dick stone back on and he gets back together with his ex-wife and uh, they're a happy couple and their son is happy and everybody's happy and that's the end of the movie. And then it goes back to Johnny ain't happy. Johnny, it goes back to Johnny on um the grill, uh-huh. and like, well, I guess we all learned a valuable lesson. Um, something I can't remember what that lesson is. Um, and that's it. And then there's a coda, mm-hmm. uh, like a uh, post credit stinger. Um, where you find out that Trini ended up married to Mitchell, like they got married. So even though she was like super grossed out by the idea of being with a man who was turned into a woman, I guess the idea of a woman turning into a man wasn't like super offensive mm. to her. Okay. Um, so at least she grew off camera and without any other character development. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And that's, uh, that's snatched. Um, there's also a thing where when Frank goes to see his lawyer, and they actually never resolve that either about like suing the hospital or anything. Um, when Frank goes to see his lawyer, um, the lawyer's like, what happened to you? And Frank tries to tell him. 
And he's like, what do you have? And then Frank says every um, slur or uh, nickname for the vagina in rapid succession. Mm. And then the guy doesn't believe him still. And Frank pulls down his pants. And you get like a close up of the guy's face, like looking at Frank's vagina. Um, but you don't see Frank's vagina ever. They don't subject right. you to. Right. Um, because it's just crass. It's not like shocking or controversial. Um, right. Yeah. Is that what so, you mean when you said they couldn't even go all the way with it? They show no female nudity. You never see the offending member in either respect. Right. Um, they talk about it and they say, because I got this snatch between my legs. You know, I got this, I got this right. hoo-hoo down there, this snatch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, if you want to see boobs, you need to go find this writer's other movie that he did under National Lampoon's, two of them actually, Dirty Movie and uh, Another Dirty Movie. Is it Alan Duns or John Platt? Mm-hmm. Alan Duns, although I think the other guy um, also co-wrote or added to those movies, or at least one of them. Yeah, I don't care. They are rolling <laughs> 2011. That's awesome. Um, right. I don't care to ever watch another National Lampoon's anything. Like, I think I've learned my lesson at this point. Mario Cantone uh, is in one of them. Although it is it is really a, a gold mine, I think, of um, awfulness. Yeah. 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 So, oh, for man. real, like, and I've kind of even sold this movie short in the sense that it's actually worse than what I've said because I've forgotten about certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, it is, uh, it's rough, dude. I don't know. It was hard to get through. Frankie and I would look at each other sometimes and I would be like, we would just like be aghast. Like watching this movie with my 22 year old son was something else as well. Um, yeah. Did you have the talk? Oh, so that happens, too. So Frank's son is getting ready to go on his first date. And Frank sits down and is like, some things I want to talk to you about, son. And he's like, Dad, this is um, the modern age. We have the Internet. Like, I know about, uh, what does he say? I learned everything I need to know on how to get pleased without getting diseased.com. Um, I do not. I did not check to see if that's an actual website. That's a, um, a good, it's, it's a good chagrin category. <laughs> right there. Yeah. Um, and that's it. Like, again, like nothing happens. Like I, it's, it's a movie where it reminded me in some ways of Stonerville. You remember Stonerville? Yes, I do. I, I absolutely do. Yes. Stonerville would have been a good, crass category Mm -hmm. the difference is that stonerville just like goes for it or 30 days of the girl with the dragon tattoo and paranormal activity whatever the fuck that movie is called that's another one where like they just go for it you know what i mean like 
they're going to be awful. They're going to go all the way with being awful. Right. And in this fucking movie, it's like they're awful, but they just like stop short every single time they have the chance to like really be all like truly awful and just like backpedal. And it's the most boring shit. It seriously could have been a lifetime movie. Like you could have shown this movie if you took the profanity off, it could have been on the fucking Hallmark channel. And that's what they were going for is like this fucking like heartwarming right story about a man like finding his love for his family after a medical emergency. It could have been anything, you know, that he whatever, like they I don't know. I, I don't know. It doesn't even matter. So fucking national lampoon snatched. What's the what's the chagrin score? I told you last night that this is like a it's like a ten point five because yeah. I've never been more chagrined. Mm-hmm. But in hindsight, it's like a nine point five. Mm. I mean, I've watched things that are like worse, but it's really yeah. It's only it's only not worse because again, it's just like it's so boring in the way that it presents it, mm-hmm. and it pulls back like every time it's like right on the edge of truly being offensive. It pulls itself back so you can't say that it's offensive. Um. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's one of the more shocking premises you've ever told me about on this podcast. Yeah, I I can't believe somebody made that movie. I mean, I can, but I thought somebody so, would think it after they thought. No, no, they they thought about it and said this is good. Mm-hmm. This is what we need. And Andrew McCarthy and Jonathan Silverman was like, "Yes, yes, give me that payday." <laughs> Yeah, right. There's a um, are you gonna pay me? Gotcha. Right. Yeah. Let me um saw my watch list. How how to get pleased without getting diseased. Um, you know that joke in Arrested Development where maybe go is claiming she's in Sacramento and the, the Google search like autocorrects to Sacramento, like Yes. Yeah, so when you type in how to get pleased without getting diseased, all is one word, it just says zero results and no recommendations. <laughs> so um, so the description for this movie and what made me put it on the list to begin with. In this madcap comedy, a nice guy goes into the hospital for surgery and through a series of mishaps, suffers every man's worst nightmare. So I knew what was up right then. But then I saw Andrew McCarthy, Jonathan Silverman, and Ernest Borgnine as the cast. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. Right. Was- it, could, it could be about a bunch of guys like kidnapping something like a dog. So the other movies that I put on the list that I didn't actually watch were um, this movie, The Hungover Games, mm. which is like one of those, you know. Yeah, uh, it's Hunger Games mixed Eric. with like, you know, the, whatever, the five assholes drinking too much or whatever. Exactly. And the cover shows um, Ted and I don't know, like whatever, Madcap. Mm. Um, then there was a movie called Frenemy, which has Zach Galifianakis. Right. Um, which I don't know why I put that on there. That probably would have been the least. Because you assume I... Ga- Zach Galifianakis is crass, whatever movie he's in. Yeah, I assumed. Yep. Then there was a 2020 comedy called Baby Splitters. Ugh. When two couples with mixed feelings about having kids hatch a plan to share one baby, it seems like the perfect compromise until things go wrong. And that's got, um, what's his name from Community? Um, Ab- Ab- Abed is in it. Mm-hmm. 
Um, then there was COVID 420, a 2023 comedy. After a large shipment of marijuana gets infused with the COVID virus, a detective sets out to find the culprit and stop the spread. Um, I thought I, that would be really crass. I, yeah, I can imagine. I almost want to know what the plot of that really is. See, these are things that after I watched Snatched, I was like, man, I'm Yeah, you can't it. do it, right? Yeah. Then there's a movie called Shithead, but the eye is a um, asterisk. And it says, a man's dream to see his favorite face-painted rapper while he's as high as he can possibly get makes him try to sell his girlfriend's baby for drugs. What? Is that comedy? It says it's comedy and animation. So that was one of the things that, yeah. It's also an hour and 41 minutes. And oh my god. Not, I'm not watching that. Then there's a 2005 movie called Filthy McNastiest, which is about a demon who grants somebody's desire to satisfy his lover with hilarious over-the-top consequences, proving that the family is deadliest. Um, I never got around to that. Uh, then there's a couple of horror movies that I figured would be grass, but mm-hmm. again, I just I felt like I watched like the horror unfold before my eyes. So sure, makes perfect sense. Yeah. <clears throat> Luckily, I don't know if you have too many of those type of categories uh, this year for you, at least. No. I don't think so. Um, okay. I don't think so at all. Uh, you want to see what you get next week? Uh, sure. All right. I don't know what to say about that movie, Frank. That just sounds like... Grass. <laughs> it does. It. I would hate myself. Like, watching that movie, I can understand now. I hated myself even more because I subjected my child to watching that movie. And from start to finish. Next week, the category is casual beatings. Category for next week is casual beatings. Nice. I think there will be some good stuff for that. Yeah, I'm sure there will. Um, it has a sister category potentially that could come up later in the year. Um, but yes, casual beatings. That was one of the first ones I think I wrote down last year. Um, <clears throat> during year two of the chagrin, <clears throat> can't remember what movie that was though. Although, how do you know they're ca- see? That's going to be interesting. Like, how do you know they're casual? Like, how can you predict they might be casual? I just have to watch the movies with some beatings and hope for the best. <laughs> like what? What has casual beatings that you can think of? Like Clockwork Orange, is kind of casual. I guess it's casual enough. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Like, in a lot of ways, the Liam Neeson action movies are sort of like casual beatings. Sure, you could take it that way, right? Yeah. In the sense that, you know, yeah. he's just casually beating up everyone. Yes. Yes. Um, all right. So, I sent you Friday night, and it seemed to make you tired. Um, after a long day, you said. Uh. I sent you a Reddit thread on the Star Wars subreddit. It said, what is your opinion on this change? And it just showed a split image of Sebastian Shaw as Anakin Skywalker ghost um, in the original. 
Um, and then Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker ghost. Is that his name? Is Sebastian Shaw? Yeah. The same name as Bucky? Who? Isn't that Sebastian Stan? Never mind. Oh, yes. Bucky, uh, Bucky from Marvel. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's yes, that's Stan. Yeah. Um <clears throat> and I was asking basically the thread, you know, <laughs> OP personally liked the change. Um, and then it devolves into, you know, a mess of thousand plus posts of people arguing over it. Um, so my question, yes. So we've never had this discussion before, not specifically about this sequence, although I want to start there, but uh, we've never on the podcast really fully talked about the special editions and the changes that are inherent, like in those right. special editions. So starting with this image here. What do you think about putting Hayden Christensen in that scene? I actually... I get it, I guess, right? Like, you're retconning everything anyway, so in reality, like, it, it makes sense in the idea that Anakin would revert to the last time that he was like truly good i guess okay um even though i would argue that hayden christensen was never good as anakin either in practice or in theory um right but from like a you know kayfabe standpoint like a not good like, in kayfabe or shoot either but um yeah right <laughs> from the sense of like the actual like plots of the movie it makes more yeah. sense to do it that way yeah right because so, luke I mean, would like... not because here's the thing Luke never knew what his dad looked like anyway. But Sebastian Shaw in like with his quaffed hair and his, you know, right. clean Jedi robes, that was never what Vader was. He wouldn't be he wouldn't look like that. He was a monster. Like he was a cyborg and a you know, like a half a man sort of. And so I okay. think that it would revert back to the last time he was a full man, which would be as Hayden Christensen from, you know, Revenge of the Sith. Um. Okay, like so. I agree with you that I don't think Anakin, like as a young person, like the Hayden Christensen Anakin, like I would argue is never really good. Like he's always like slowly on the edge of the dark side, right? Because he's whatever the traits are, like you know, um, he's too rambunctious. He's like you know too prone to anger. Blah blah. Um. Isn't the last time Anakin is good, though, like good or like, you know, he's Anakin is in the suit. When he makes the decision to save Luke, that's the return of Anakin away from Vader, right? That's that's Vader. That, yeah, but that's Vader. That's not Anakin. That's Darth Vader refining like a shred of his humanity. Mm-hmm. And a love for his child over, um, you know, his loyalty to the Emperor. Yeah. See, I don't like I don't... it. I, 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 there's some changes I actually am okay with in the Star Wars stuff and the special editions, minor stuff. This is one I just don't like because it's like, t- 
to me, when I was growing up, like I didn't know who that guy was. And it dawned on me like, oh, that's his dad. That's like, that's Vader. Yeah. And like, to me, that's the feeling that Luke has. It puts you in the role of Luke at that point. Like, oh, this is my dad. Like, you know, or whatever. Like, um, and it's like, and then you have to start asking yourself things like, why is Guinness looking like Guinness? Like from A New Hope. Because he was like pure, like he's pure kind of like when he dies i mean isn't it like isn't it stated that they kind of will see the force ghosts as they want to see them sort of i don't know i don't know is it i don't know i don't know nothing about nothing (laughs) but but it doesn't bother you that much i think it's one of the least egregious things that oh the special editions did so Hmm. okay okay um, so what is, what are the things that do like, okay. So I assume I, I know this. So it's like Grudo shooting first is like terrible to you, right? Yes. Okay. Terrible, terrible, both in execution and philosophically. <laughs> yes. And does so much to <clears throat> undercut one of the best defining early moments of one of the more iconic characters in modern film basically right. you know yeah. like I mean there's very few no matter what you think about Star Wars is like cinema or whatever their ability to have those characters grow and change and your um, investment in them as characters is their actions in the first movie compared to Um, empire and how much they change you know and there's nothing that sets han solo up as just a scoundrel and Mm -hmm. a mercenary than him you know murdering this guy this you know fellow bounty hunter or whatever fellow because he anticipates that that guy's gonna shoot him you know yes it shows that there's a ruthlessness to Han Solo. It shows yep. that there's an absolute sense of self-preservation that he doesn't. Um, he's not going to be a guy that like lets himself like lose his edge or get taken advantage. Of. I mean, there's so many things that it says about Han Solo, but it also sets him up as like a man of action and a man of. Um, like intuition like he's a gut reaction kind of guy that's not going to be you know it's sort of the polar opposite to what you've already learned about the force at that point sure he's not a mystic right right Right. this this is the guy who's gonna like you know it is a good foil to luke skywalker early on and also like builds up how important their friendship is later Mm -hmm. because they both come to like grow from each other in a lot of ways so i mean there's there's so much that that stupid shit like, and it looks really bad, you know, like, yes. I mean, this is not like the modern age of, um, CGI and whatever digital ma- manipulation where you can make, you know, you can change like something like a deep fake on it or whatever mm-hmm. and make it believable. I mean, this is like fucking 
what, 2001 or something? No, earlier than that, 97 maybe? No. Yeah, there's two there's two different versions, right? Like, you know, there's there's the special editions that come out in like what 99 and then there's the ones that like are released on DVD, I guess in 04 where there's some other subtle changes made at times. So there's a few. And then I think even they make some more changes in like 2011 or something. Maybe that's a Blu-ray or something, but um, Well, anyway, this is the introduction of the Hotshot yeah. or the Hotshot mm-hmm. first shit. Yeah. Is that the most egregious to you? Ah, you know, so I was a really big Star Wars mark um, as a teenager, and I used to read um, Fangoria, and I used to read Starlog, like, pretty regularly. And so I had seen a lot of, um, like, shots of, like, deleted footage and stuff, and I had seen shit from the deleted scene of Jabba being, like, just a big man, like, walking with Solo, um basically that sets up the scene mm-hmm. um whether they cut from the movie and wisely so because it actually puts some mystery on that you know like who is chasing han solo and mm-hmm. who did he wrong you know so whatever adding that scene back in and cgiing not only jabba to be this like smallish slug thing that can like yeah. ambulate on his own by like wiggling his ass <laughs> Uh-huh. But also, also doing the thing where they have Boba Fett walk in front of the camera and turn to the camera, and just kind of like pose for you because like everyone loves Boba Fett, right? Like it removes again like so much mystery and intrigue and uh-huh. I mean, there's there's things about those movies that it's important that it takes three films to build the certain elements, right? Like the first time you see Jabba the Hutt, who's mentioned briefly in like what two scenes in a new hope mm-hmm. and you get the whole like awesomeness of that opening 30 minutes in Jabba's palace or whatever sure there's so much like weight to it at that point because like you've been waiting for han solo to get his comeuppance and you see him at the end like you had no idea what's going to happen to him at the end of empire when he's frozen in carbonite mm-hmm. you know the empire's won the bounty hunters have won they're taking him back to Jabba. who is Jabba the hut then you get it and it's like He's disgusting, disgusting, lecherous asshole. Right. Just all everything's vice all around him. And then it's like you get, and it's like one of your first introductions is that laugh, right? Like really, the Jabba. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh yeah, it's amazing. And it's like ruined by the fact that you have him be this. Because they have Han Solo walk over his tail, and he's like, "That's the worst part to me." It's all bad. It's all the worst. Han stepping on his fucking slug tail and him going like 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 basically like somebody sticking something up his ass like you know like, oh, like awful it like completely like just like like knees Jabba as like a threatening force in any way so here's, here's what I kind of like equate that to in the modern world and this is something I've bitched about multiple times mm-hmm. the fucking Captain Marvel movie where they make Colson and Fury jokes mm-hmm. like incompetent bumbling boobs that can't do anything without Captain Marvel to like save them. It's the same thing. It's like you take you you undercut all the power and in mystery of a character for a cheap laugh, you know? And it's I mean that's like Lucas's fucking MO. 
is why why would I like do something you know cool and memorable and meaningful when I can like slip a shit joke in here or a fart joke or right. you know I can have like Jar Jar Binks speaking <laughs> Misa. fucking yeah Misa, Misa thinking Misa going to die or whatever I mean <laughs> fucking awful <laughs> and this is just as bad and it's even worse because like it's, it's worse. It's an established character that, yeah. you know, you have like some element of, yeah, like you already know, and like anyone that's watching those movies, except for maybe like a small number of people, I guess, you know, like what job is, you know, what he's gonna look like, like how is like how long is the gap of time between A New Hope and Return of the Jedi, a year maybe something like that, screen time, yeah, something like no, that. No, no. In, yeah, in, in terms of like actual time that's happening in those movies, I, yeah, he's yeah. training for a while, but he leaves his training early and sure, yeah, anyway, a, year, a year's fine. It just completely like undercuts all that stuff, and it's really right, yes, um, dumb. So, yes. I hate that part. Mm-hmm. There's really small things in the movie that I can't stand, like adding stormtroopers in for some reason like there's that scene where they're in the death star and they're hiding from the troopers walking by and it's like they multiply the number of troopers that are there and um i hate the fact that they they change the ewok shit like especially the yub yub thing like Mm -hmm. as much as people make fun of that i mean that's like that's part of that movie you know like why Instead, you do some stupid where they you got to show like, like Coruscant and all these other like. Why couldn't you do both, right? Why couldn't you still show Coruscant, right? Like, I actually don't mind them showing these other places. So I'm going to get to why that bothers me too, but we'll Mm, we'll we'll, we'll get. Um. But there's no need to take that song out. Like, leave that song. Yes, agreed. Agreed. Because you already do the, you know, into like mm-hmm. the swell of like the, um, whatever the that song is called, like the actual Star Wars like theme, I guess. Right. The thing that I hate about showing the other worlds in the Coruscant thing is like, you don't stick to it after that, you know. The they went back and they redid that stuff, and they did that in the special editions before the like prequel trilogy came out right i just i don't know i i feel like it's so messy that lucas i mean come on the best movie i think it's hastily done execution wise but i don't mind the idea of showing that the the universe is celebrating right like that doesn't bother me but the, the execution is a little clunky i mean the other thing too is that and I guess they're kind of correcting this now with, um, like the Disney original series stuff, the Mandalorian and, um, Ahsoka and whatever. And they kind of did it with like rebels and they did it with, um, the clone wars too, to a point. How was like the rebel Alliance, like defeated the empire. And then in like the sequel trilogies, like, um, seven, eight, nine or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're just incompetent boobs. There's like ten of them, <clears throat> and the Empire was able to like immediately 
re like reestablished itself as the fucking first order, along with like stormtroopers and fucking right. death machines and shit. Mm-hmm. I don't. Mm-hmm. I just. I don't know why that bothers me, but it just it, it's like it, it feels incongruous. If the world was, if the universe was so happy that you know the empire was defeated. Wouldn't it take a lot longer than like fifteen years for them to fall? But I don't know. Maybe we're living proof that that's not the case. But hmm. Hmm. um, <laughs> right. Anyway, that bothers me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's some other minor stuff. I don't want to sit here and like flip through this entire thing. It's been a really long time. Um, what about? So one of the things definitely I know that bothers me um also in return is the um the Vader no to parallel um do you know have you seen this like the um most recent editions like from like 10 years ago where Vader goes no when he like grabs the emperor up and throws him over uh, to, par- just... to parallel the attack of the or not attack what what is that revenge of the Sith it parallels the run. They've added in a like a no, and the justification for it was that like so that you understand Vader's emotions during the scene. Whatever. Look, I mean, he's just trying to legitimize that shit. So right. again, that's an that that's another thing where if what they're doing is trying to call back into the prequels to give them more relevancy because the storylines of the prequels are so fucking fractured and in a lot of ways just like goddamn boring Mm -hmm. like you're trying to like hitch them to the things that actually matter so whatever and that doesn't really bother me here's the thing though is it's a bullshit it's a bullshit explanation though how does anybody not understand vader's emotions that are happening during the scene when the emperor is like lighting up luke like i think it's one of the more effective non-verbal sequences in any of those movies the way it is filmed and like you know like with the special effects of the time where it's like you like see those like almost like they become big sad wet eyes with the lightning in vader's mask when he's like like keeps looking over at luke and looking back at the emperor and looking back at Luke, like it's it's so powerful. How do you not get like what Vader's like feeling in that moment through some very simple actions and some very simple special effects? Like it's fucking stupid. It's a bullshit explanation. Um, there doesn't need to be any dialogue in that scene at all. Dumb. Um, I might actually be angrier than that anymore. Over than like rather than yeah, I mean, I, I I get your point. I just I just get it. You know, to me, it's like the same thing as replacing Anakin, replacing Sebastian Shaw with Anakin. Like, is it necessary? No. Does it do anything to improve the scene? No. But I understand it. You know, like I, I. The original trilogy will always be like my preferred way to watch those movies. Mm-hmm. But again, I get you trying to like, because comic books do this all the time where they'll change 
the salient details of something that happened that you read as a kid to kind of connect it to what's happening in the the present comic mythology to give it like a through line. You know what I mean? So I understand. Sure. If I, even if I don't think it's well done or necessary, I still get like creating that through line. There. Yeah. And we have a whole religion. Having, that's like having one word. And <laughs> yes, we kept a whole having Jabba's tail get stepped on. Right. Right. I mean, there's other like small, like I said, like the stormtrooper thing with Han shooting at like a whole <laughs> platoon of stormtroopers. Right. That doesn't make any sense. That's it dumb. like, it's a stupid it makes Han go from being this like calculating mm-hmm. mercenary to being just an idiot. I mean, right. they turn him into a bumbling fool. Sure. In the span of like a couple of like small changes. It's true. I don't like um like the there's extra shots of the Wampa in the beginning of um Empire that I think are dumb. And I just don't think there's a need for it. It's just too much, you know, it's too mm-hmm. much having like all the Boba Fett like insert shit, right? Uh, Boba Fett talking is 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 unnecessary. I mean, again, yeah. it's like fan service bullshit. Like you know, yeah. Do you like any of it? Like legitimately like any of it? Uh. It's fine if you can't think of anything because I, I I mean it's it's tough for me like there's like two things I think I like like and one's just theoretical rather than actual. Yeah, I can't think of anything that I think is a good change. There's a little scene where Biggs at the end of New Hope is added oh, in, and right, I'm fine. Right, yeah. I'm fine with That's that. Fine. It's like, I'm yeah. fine. Like it's not like I think like oh that's a that's, that's oh I'm not marking out. I don't think it's a great change. I'm fine with. There's things like that that happen sometimes for five seconds that I think is like a good change. Like oh like that's a good addition. Like you know like I mean it does it doesn't change the story. It's not rel- revelatory. It's not like you know a big excitement. But it's like yeah that makes sense to like throw those scenes back in. Like. Um, and I'm actually fine with the like larger celebration theoretically, like, you know, like, but I don't like the way it's executed. I think it's clunky and I think the CGI fucking sucks in it. So, um, yeah, I don't know that I like any of it. I mean, that, 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 that addition, I guess is, is fine just because you're connecting again, you're connecting like Luke to a mythology that's been created outside of the original trilogy so that's that's okay right here's the one thing that i'll say for the special editions and i think this is the one thing that i will say i do like about it is it got star wars back into theaters where you were able to go and sit with an audience full of people in real life and watch star wars on the big screen it's true and even though the changes like we can argue those things it amounts to what probably like 15 to 20 minutes of total screen footage over the course of three movies. Right. You're still inherently getting the same movies that we loved as kids. And it was amazing to like, and I worked at the movie theater at the time. So I got a lot of like perks. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like I got the posters I got to take home. And sure. those are, uh, those, and those were great memories. Me and yeah. Ryan going back to watch those things like back in the day. Standing yeah. in line opening yeah. day for a new hope. Absolutely. 
with like Mr. James organizing everybody, like you know, yeah. like yeah, like two hundred people in line waiting to get in. Yeah. They spelled manager wrong on the fucking sign. <laughs> uh huh. They spelled a manger instead of manager. <laughs> yeah. They were so so they I so here's here's a funny anecdote I guess. Um, I worked at the theater when that came out, mm-hmm. um, and I was a. I think I was still just an. I wasn't a, a supervisor or a manager yet. I was just an employee, and I had requested that day off like two months in advance, and it had been granted. So I was not on the schedule. And back then, you couldn't get adults to work in the movie theater. Like your employees were 16 17 year old kids that were in high school usually um and they had like nobody working and i it would have been my day to work and i had already requested the day off because i had tickets and they were so mad at me being in line for that theater and they wanted to kick me out and i was like i paid for this ticket you can't kick me out like and they had to let me in to watch it and they were so pissed that i came just <laughs> working fuck them it's a momentous absolutely yeah. Yeah. That anyway, was, and that was for New Hope. Yeah, that was New Hope. Yeah, because yeah. we weren't allowed to. We weren't allowed to watch stuff like, um, 20th Century Fox and Lucas Films were so protective of the Star Wars IP back then mm-hmm. that like they would deliver them with like in armored cars, like the move the prince. Um, you had to sign disclosure agreements saying that you wouldn't like screen the movie prior to the day that it opened. Like, it was crazy how much it the yeah. the prints the cans were all called something different, and I can't remember what they were called. But each of those movies, the the prequels especially, all had different names to them. So like, the idea was if somebody saw the film can, they wouldn't know it was a Star Wars movie inside because like you can make so much money. Like stealing it and bootlegging it, it mm-hmm. was crazy. Those prequels that that's some of the longest longest days of work of my life because hmm. we were open twenty four seven for the first <laughs> like ten days that Phantom Menace was out. So we had to like cover projection shifts, and there was only three of us that worked in a projection booth. We had to cover basically like ten days, and we we eventually like backed off of it because they didn't do that well in the late night screenings yeah but we had to cover like 24 hours a day for like seven days in a row yeah with three so it was crazy so i'm trying i'm trying to remember like i know i'm pretty i'm positive orion can correct me off air but it's like i'm positive the special editions me and orion all want to go see together like during operating hours um phantom menace he and i want to go see during operating hours me and Chuck and you watched Attack of the Clones afterwards. So by that point, by Attack, it's changed, right? Where it's like there is more openness to like being able to like air things outside of. Yeah, we were allowed to. Um, we were allowed to pre-screen by the time Attack of the Clones came out. Okay. So what? One of the things. And I don't, this isn't true anymore because of digital cinema, I would imagine. But when you were, um, so if you've seen Fight Club, you know how like film works, like actual film in terms of like splicing things together. Sure. We had to like physically assemble every single movie that came into the theater 
every week. So there was like, like I said, three of us. And our job was to like put those together in the right order, which sometimes we didn't do either. Um, so one of the things that is they wanted you to screen every single print you put together before you aired it to the public to make sure that if something was wrong, you could fix it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of like a lot of our job was like staying after and watching these movies, even though it was like a fun perk. Um, we also never did what we were really supposed to because we didn't watch every single movie the night before it came out. Um, but with Star Wars, especially with the prequels, like they were a hundred percent like you are not going to watch this movie. You can only run this movie for paying customers. Like it was crazy. Mm-hmm. So when Phantom Menace opened, like our that opening night, um, what was that May fourth, ninety nine? Right, is the Phantom Menace date? Yep, that's right. Yep. Um, when we had when we opened that movie, none of us had seen it, so I couldn't go to watch it until my first day off, which was like, I think like two days later, I was able to because I had to buy tickets too. Like you weren't getting in for free for that, so I had to buy mm-hmm. a ticket. I was like a matinee, like two days after it aired. Um, and I remember being like, I mean, of course, like everyone was like so stoked um, about it, but yeah, just like so disappointed in that. But yeah. If you ever watched like footage from that time, I mean, working in a movie theater was pretty crazy for those like two weeks. Yeah. Now we had people in line um, the day before, like literally like camped out. And we had a serious conversation about whether or not we should kick them out, <laughs> leave or not. Yeah, there's there's tons of like YouTube footage that like you can look at like news stories and stuff like that if you're not familiar with it. Like in terms of like people camping out for like days or weeks depending on their location. Like you know, I mean, trying to get tickets or trying to get tickets to the very first showing, and yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, so, it was. Um, so I want to tell this one too. This is one of yeah. my favorite stories about it. Um, so the other thing we had to do was for the first, like three or four days, we had to stand in front of, um, each auditorium as the movies went in and verify tickets okay. because you didn't want someone like buying a ticket for something else sure. and like sliding in with the fucking star Wars crowd. So the first night we're sitting there and it's me and, um, another manager standing down like at the theater, letting these people in to verify tickets and these two fucking dudes wearing like Jedi costumes were like, cause Mr. James, you know, Mr. James, who was like the authority on like the auditoriums. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. James was an elderly, like black gentleman from Philadelphia who had multiple wives and was like a super pervert <laughs> um, secretly. One, one of my favorite people ever um, had yelled at these guys. Like, you're going to walk, you're going to walk down. And so there's these two, like, fucking proto-nerds from 99 wearing, like, mock Jedi costumes, speed walking. And the one guy's, I see it, I see it. And the other guy's like, stay on target, stay on target. And um, it was honestly, like, like seeing that and having not seen the movie. So, like, not knowing, like, what I was in for. Mm. I was actually like, yeah, this is actually like, really awesome. Even though it's a lot of work, like, this is a really, like, amazing thing to be a part of um yeah then it all fell apart right um two things one embarrassing omission 
Um, I say that to my dog all the time when she tries to like go off the beaten path of like what we're trying to do at the time. Um, is I tell her to stay on target. Um, I don't think that's embarrassing. She's talking to a dog. Unless she and she doesn't understand that I'm a nerd. Um, like that's okay. Um, yeah, you're, I mean, you're not like around like a huge group of people, right? Um, two, we watch revenge. Th- this is a question. We watch revenge together, right? You and I. Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. But was that after work then, or do you remember? Uh... I think so. It's it's one that I don't remember necessarily how that happened. Like I'm assuming it was after work, but I don't know because what year was that? It was every two years, so it would have been oh three. No, is that right? No, it was oh five. Oh five. Two thousand and one, two thousand three, two thousand and five. For Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. No. Phantom Menace was ninety nine. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it says yeah. I'm. I'm looking at it right here. Like, if 2005 was Revenge of the Sith, May May 15th, 2000, May 19th, 2005. Did Did we watch it together after work? Then I think so. I don't know if it was after work or during work. That's what I'm asking. Kind of like, do you remember the circumstances? I mean, I know we we saw it together, but I don't remember the circumstances behind it. Well, Phantom Menace is Phantom Menace. I saw during operating hours, and that's definitely like, yeah, you're right. That's ninety nine. Um, I think yeah. Um, and then Attack, I mean, I remember. Attack of the Clones is, I think it's O three. No, it's O two. May, that's also May May sixteenth, two thousand and two. It was every three years. So in '05, I would have been working in Bel Air in May. Right. I don't think you came down there. Right. I don't remember the premiere of that movie though. Hmm. Like I remember the Narnia movies coming out there, and I remember. Um, Harry Potter's there. I don't remember Revenge of the Sith there. Interesting. I assume that we watched it together, but it is possible that we didn't. That's why I was asking. Like, I don't actually remember the process of, like, watching that movie, like, for the first time. I know it was in the theater, but I don't remember any of it. Um, But I feel like you and I made fun of it. Yeah. And criticized it afterwards. Not as much as Attack of the Clones. We made fun of Attack of the Clones, like, Yes. nobody's business well and rightfully so um so i do have a bonus question and then we'll wrap up this is this is this is an orion wellmaker special mm. top five star wars movies in the actual three trilogies right you can't yeah. take rogue one you can't do all that right like just the, the the nine movies. I assume I would say all three of the original trilogy is on that list. What are the other two movies? 
Yeah, it's um, and this is pretty definitive order. Um, Empire, New Hope, Jedi, Force Awakens, uh, Last Jedi, I guess. Okay. It's either Last Jedi or it's Revenge of the Sith. I, although I think Revenge of the Sith is a real bad movie, but hold on. So you said Force Awakens, then Last Jedi, and then you said maybe Revenge of the Sith. So does Last Jedi fall off that list? Yeah, it would either be Last Jedi or Revenge of the Sith. Is, Sith is number five. Mm, okay. If you were letting me put other movies in there, like if I could like shoehorn Rogue One in there or whatever, right? Um, Rogue One would be um, four, and um, Force Awakens would be five. Okay. Interesting. Um, Yours. I would not include Force Awakens, I don't think. Um, I would definitely include Last Jedi for me. Um, And, um, oh, hold on. It might be Last Jedi Force Awakens, maybe. Because it's real hard for me to put any prequel on that list. It's certainly not Attack and it's certainly not Phantom Menace. It would be Revenge of the Sith if I had to put any of those on there. But I I think it's Last Jedi Force Awakens. It has to be. And I do not like, I I don't think I really, I think Force Awakens is just fine. I think the anticipation of a new trilogy of Star Wars and the excitement of watching that movie outweighs how I would feel watching that movie now. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Yeah. No, I I get what you're saying. I think, though, if I watched I could watch Last Jedi by itself. I would never want to watch Force Awakens ever again. Just like I would never want to watch Rise of the Skywalker ever again. That movie's awful. Well, yes, but that is like particularly bad. Um, so I guess I, I guess here's my thing. Like, and this is why I would think that I would consider revenge. Here's the thing: I might watch Revenge though real quick before I would watch Force Awakens. I like if it, if one of them was on, right? Just say like I'm on like some kind of thing, and it's like one of them's on. I might sit down and actually continue to watch Revenge of the Sith. If it's on where Force Awakens, I think I'd walk out of the room or turn the channel or whatever. I think that's where uh, I'm at. Yeah, I think that's here's my here's my Revenge of the Sith caveat, I guess. Mm-hmm. Again, I spent a long time of my childhood watching um, or reading stuff like Starlog and reading these things. There was an article in like 94, 95 in Starlog where they interviewed Lucas mm-hmm. and Lucas talked about ideas that were supposed to happen, right? like to lead into a new hope and like the idea of, you know, Vader and um, Obi-Wan dueling above like the lava fields of Mustafar, yeah, like all that stuff. Sure. Which was supposed to happen like- at the end of the second movie, according to Lucas's interview, I remember, yeah. It sounded like so amazing. Yes. You read that stuff. And while I think that they failed in the execution, I also appreciate the ability to see those things that I had read about and thought about forever. Yeah. I mean, we, we even if they didn't this. live up to expectation. Right. We, we, we talked about this when we talked about like disappointing blockbusters mm-hmm. 
a million years ago on the podcast. Right. Um, they just spent too much time dealing with shit that nobody cared about because Lucas was too much into his own fanfic, you know, like if you tell that story of the clone wars, like the clone wars cartoon, both the, the traditional animated one and the CGI one do so much a better job of telling that story where if you would distill the best things of those two movies, you would be talking about the prequels being like, Yes, the best trilogy of movies in the series. I legitimately think. Yeah, because that stuff is amazing. Like the scene in the Gedney Tartakovsky um, version where Yoda crushes Grievous's chest plate after Grievous is just like slaughtered, like all these Jedi is amazing. It's like I don't know. It's yeah. incredible that animated series. Sure. Like you could have had scenes like that, and we would have marked out constantly during yeah. those movies. Yeah. And I think if Lucas would have just let Lawrence Kasdan or whatever write right. that shit, yeah, it would have been amazing. And you could have told all that stuff, the cl- uh, like everything, like the Clone Wars stuff, even like Darth Maul and shit like that. Mm-hmm. You could have done a better job with, and they have re- they eventually did in Clone Wars, right? The end of the card, the CGI series yeah. and Rebels and whatever. Honestly, you were stuck with a plan from what you're referencing, that magazine, right? Like, I I remember Bledsoe showing me that during our teens. If you would have stuck with the plan, it basically would have been Attack of the Clones as episode one. Or, sorry, no. I can't remember. It didn't. Phantom Menace, that shit with him as a kid didn't exist. Like, that wasn't discussed in that interview. But the idea was that, like, you know, the Clone Wars would be going on. So you do a lot of the stuff with the Clone Wars in Episode 1. Episode 2, you eventually lead it to Anakin being influenced and turning, and that's the big fight above the lava. And then Episode 3 was going to be the idea of Vader trying to find his children and killing off all the rest of the Jedi that survived the Order, basically. Right. The order wasn't mentioned right. in an interview, but that's the idea. That would have been fucking awesome. Basically, that third movie that was discussed doesn't exist. So anyway, um, yeah, there's really nothing that I genuinely enjoy about the trilogy except for the idea that it gave us the ability to watch Star Wars again. That's my answer. The original trilogy, yeah, like the, the special trilogy. editions, yeah, yeah, I got you. Um, yeah, no, that was that was fun because the only what did you see originally in the theater? I saw the original movies in the theater, all of them, all of them, yeah. Remember you, back? How in did the you day, see a New like, Hope? Because they re-released it before um, Empire. Empire. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. One of my earliest like theater going memories is standing up and cheering for Luke Skywalker, um, taking down the adept in right. uh, in Empire. Hmm. Like my parents talk about it. Like I jumped up and stood up and was like, "Yeah!" Wrapping wrapping the rope around the legs, like in, in, yeah, in the- and then like going up and climbing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I really marked out to that. Right. And I was definitely um, definitely an older child when um, 
I mean, I was six when Jedi came out, I guess. Seven, maybe. Yeah. Or was six. it 83 or 84? 83 is Jedi. 83. Right. 77, 80, 83. Yeah. Um, but I, I watched Jedi in the theater with my aunt. I saw a lot of really good stuff in the theater. Like I saw um Raiders in the theater and I saw Temple of Doom in the theater and Clash <laughs> of the Titans. But in Baltimore, there were so many smaller um like basically like concrete box theaters that would just get like an older print and show it again just to like build up hype for right. something else coming out. So gotcha. Yeah, we didn't get that around here, I don't think. We were talking about pre VHS days. So I had seen Star Wars on TV maybe too. Mm-hmm. And I had toys and I also read a lot, you know, and my mom read to me. So I had like the novelization of Star Wars and the novel like I had read read through that. So I knew the story like really well. Mm-hmm. Bi, yeah, watching, and 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 you just had that like a little bonus of like just being a few years older that like put you right in the right time period for it, you know? Yeah, Yeah. I mean, born the three year difference between us, like nobody nobody's taking me in eighty four to go see Temple of Doom, you know? (laughs) Um, like that's too much for a four year old. Um. So yeah, so Return was the first one I saw in the theater, and then Last Crusade's the first Indiana Jones I saw in the theater. Like everything else I saw on VHS. Raiders of the Lost Ark fucked me up when I was a kid, just FYI. Mm. Mm. Like Tote's face melting at the end of that movie is one of the most like horrifying <laughs> memories of my childhood. Sure. I can see that. Yeah. 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 And then Tote makes... became one of my favorite action figures because I got him and Indy and I think one other I might have had the the turban swordsman guy maybe okay. or something mm-hmm. from that original line so um yeah nice all right well we we'll be back next week with uh casual beatings we'll see what yeah, you I come found, up with I, for that I, I I found a couple of good candidates oh you've so. been looking for things oh, of course tell me something that, that I can watch tonight what have you found that I can watch? Off of casual beatings? It doesn't matter. <laughs> you've been you've been scrolling, I assume. Find me something. I watched The Chaser. Um so oh, yes, good movie. Yeah. So give me something I can watch because last night I watched a Columbo TV movie from nineteen ninety four that Orion told me to watch. Mm. Um because my life is out of control. Um just gone by the women of the great magnet now like it's just so so whatever i tell you to watch you're gonna watch yes because this is a movie i was considering for the spin chagrin okay you ready sure jesse stone colon stone cold 2005 tom Selleck stars as a hard living police chief do you know i I, do you you know that i've seen like you know like at least five minutes of this movie probably at some point when i can watch the other hour and one minutes of it stone cold that's the one you know there's like 18 jesse stone movies right i understand but this is the one considering watching okay mimi rogers and viola davis in it as well and i think that's a really funny description straighten up his act it's also next to taken and that's the first thing i was looking for was the taken movies Mm. Um. 
Yeah, my my mother used to watch all these Jesse Stone movies. Um, Actually, I'm I'm going to give you another one too because this is on. Okay, seen this movie. All right. Have you seen 2009's Bronson? Oh yes. About the guy that Easter told me to watch it. Yeah, and I watched it like a long time ago. That's a really good movie. Yeah, it is. That's worth watching. Yeah. Uh, No, I like that. God damn. I'm just I'm just looking at general action. I've already put like all kinds of blood fists and blood sports and kickboxers. There's so many kickboxer movies. Yeah. I really wish I would have red carded you with the crass one. I should have thought about it. Mm. You never think about it. I know. If I would have known, I mean, we I really didn't know. determine any stipulations for this year, like in terms of red cards. So, I mean, um, I don't I know if I have any. There's no point. <laughs> if I feel like if I feel like you should watch something for one reason or another, I'll just say, hey, if you you'll try. tell me and I'll do it. I mean, yeah. because I'm just as much of a like. Oh my God! Sadomasochus is you. I think. You want you want you want number C. Okay. Two thousand ones. I see you, and I is spelled E Y E. It's on Tubi. When a serial killer targets cops, Detective Jake Malloy goes on the warpath until the killer makes it personal in the extreme game of cat and mouse. I guess remember. Who plays, guess who plays Jake Malloy? Who? Sylvester fucking Stallone. Yeah, I know this movie. This movie, yeah, it's it's also called uh, Detox. Um, this came up very briefly of me probably drinking and getting confused after a spin chagrin one time of trying to figure out what the fuck was happening with this movie. Um, <clears throat> but I've never watched it, so yeah, huh. Sylvester Stallone, Tom Berenger. Christopherson, Charles S. Dudden, Jeffrey Wright. Like, I mean, it's got a cast, right? Yeah, I just put it on my list. I'll yeah. I'll watch it for next week. Yeah, too. I'll watch. You it. know what, Benchagrin listeners, if you're still here with us after 72 hours, watch along as well. <laughs> free, free on two. I see you or detox D dash tox T O X. Nice, that's pretty. So on Peacock as well right now. So. And Pluto and Tubi and Sling and Roku and Voodoo and Redbox and Crackle and Amazon. So nobody has any excuse, I think, at this point to like not watch this movie. It's everywhere. I'm sure there'll be some casual beatings in it too. Let's hope. Or not. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Fuck it. It's only an hour and 36 minutes. It's fine. I know. That's the best thing about... For the movie like this, that'll be like an hour and 31 minutes. Yeah. Action movies are always pretty short for the most part. Sure. Yeah. And there's there's enough stunts, it adds to that, like, credit roll. If you get over an hour and 40 minutes, you're making a mistake. Right. Right. Whatever. We'll see. There might be some categories later in the year you don't mind, like, that rule. So... Might be. Well, we'll see. Might be. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with casual beatings. And if you're looking to maybe watch along with at least one movie, D hyphen talks. 
or ICU. Either one will lead you to 18,000 places to watch it. So thanks for listening. Deuces.